0: Once again, a special welcome to everyone this evening. It's a great honor to be here with you, if, especially if this maybe is your first time at St. Mary's Catholic Church. You're always welcome here to worship with us every single Sunday throughout the week. You know, one of my favorite parts of being a priest here is all the weddings we do. We probably do about 60 weddings a year just here at St. Mary's, which is a great gift uh, for this local church and for the world as well. You know, especially in this church, a lot of brides, it's an epic entrance. You know, they stand outside those front doors, the sun's usually shining, and right when her hymn comes along, they open the doors and she walks through, and it's pretty epic. So, uh, and that's when the groom's tears start as well. So uh, it's always fun to be on the priest side of things and to get to observe it all. It's pretty special. Well, the institution of family and of marriage is what I'd like to talk with you about this evening. And we know that family and marriage is the most important foundation for happiness and fulfillment in society and of the human heart. You know, John Paul II said that the foundation of society is not the individual, but the family. I would say the greatest cause of division, tension, confusion, and breakdown in our church and in our world today is the destruction of the family and of marriage. Our society and culture are trying to tear apart the holiness of marriage and family life, trying to act as God and to redefine marriage and how we are called to live it out. You know, in the craziness of our culture today, I would say that a marriage will not survive, a family will not survive if it's not centered on Christ. Especially in the realm of marriage and family, Christians are called to be countercultural. You are called to be countercultural. The bride and groom that were here yesterday encouraged them to go and be a light and an example for our world. To be able to reveal the goodness, the truth, and the beauty of love, marriage, sexuality, and family. Of how our God initially intended it to be and continues to call us to follow his plan in the teachings in the realm of marriage and family life. All right, so I'm going to encourage y'all to buckle up. You know, I'm going to be speaking some hard truths, but always in charity. If you have a journal, I encourage you to write down some notes. So firstly, as we speak about the sacrament of marriage, it's important to start with what are the ends or what are the goods of marriage? You know, what did God intend for marriage to be from the very beginning? Now, the two primary ends of marriage established by God are number one, the procreation of children, and then number two, the unity of the couple. So not only is marriage for the two to become one flesh and have an intimate relationship with each other, growing in love for each other each and every day, even in the messiness of married life and daily life, but also that a couple is open to life and open to having children. A sacramental marriage is one that receives its strength from the grace of Christ. We would compare that to a natural marriage, one that's outside of Christ and the church, which is still a good, but it lacks the supernatural grace which elevates marriage to allow a couple to lay down their lives for each other as Christ laid down his life for the church. A married couple is in the image of Christ's love for the church. Now, in our first reading today from Genesis, we hear for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two become one flesh. So, in other words, the institution of marriage is rooted in the order of creation itself. So, marriage is not a human institution, it's a divine institution which God Himself has ordained from the start of creation. And because of marriages of divine origin, then in our gospel, Jesus responds to the question of divorce by saying, if it is truly God who makes two people into one flesh, then that divine action cannot be undone by a mere human action. My friends, we don't have the power to undo what God has joined together. And we do not have the power to redefine marriage That's only up to God, who is the author of marriage. Though our culture has said otherwise, God stamped it in our very nature into our hearts to long for the other. The man and the woman complement each other. One of the things I love about our Gloria here is we have a guys and a girls part. We see this complementarity of male and female. The complementarity of nature of man and woman are then able to enter into marriage in the covenant that God intended it to be. My friends, this is where the Catholic Church stands firm. And sometimes alone, even with other Christians not standing with us in this as Jesus has asked us to. And possibly even the church being persecuted in the midst of a hostile hurricane of our culture. The truth that marriage is only between one man and one woman. Now, I realize that some of you or maybe some of your loved ones, siblings, cousins, friends, roommates, maybe you don't have that sexual experience. I'd say that is a great suffering for you or for them. And as a church, we need a journey with people who experience that same-sex attraction and partly why we have the pursuit ministry here as well, because that is important. We all deserve to be loved as God's children. But my friends, this is also where we must remember that we were not made for this world that Jesus doesn't promise us marriage when, he cho- when we choose to live a life for him. But what he does promise us if we are faithful and follow his teachings is eternal life. Eternal life of union and communion with God. Because my friends, we have to remember there's no marriage in heaven. Marriage is for this world alone, to be a sign for the world. husband and wife revealed to us, revealed to the world, a glimpse of the image of communion in God with God in heaven. We could even say a spousal relationship that God desires to have with each one of us in this life and then into eternity at the eternal wedding feast. Now, my friends, this too points to the countercultural teaching of the indissolubility of marriage. Indissolubility of marriage meaning the marriage bond cannot be broken. And once again, when a man and a woman say their I do's before God at the front of the altar before their family and friends, this bond lasts until death do they part. Now, this should bring a great peace and freedom in a marriage. You know, there's no getting out of it. No matter if you say the wrong thing, no matter if you stink about being a mom or a dad, no matter if you have a house divided and one day you marry a longhorn, you know, (laughs) It's your choice. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. All right, but you're in it for life, you know, which allows great honesty and freedom for a couple. You don't have to fear that if you um, are honest with your spouse that they're going to leave you because that's not possible. You know, there's no prenups in the sacrament of marriage like there are in many natural or secular marriages today. You cannot hold anything back just in case it doesn't work out. Now think about this in your own reason, mentally, in your own intellect. You know, if you hold something back, like money or property, before your future spouse as you're making your vows to each other in front of God in the altar, then you're hinting at that you don't think that this marriage is going to last. But if you go all in with marriage, with your entire mind, body, and soul, then you are stating that through those good times and bad, we are going to make it period. Now, I can't go into a lot of this now, but I want to speak on it quickly. But this also shows how damaging cohabitation and having premarital sex is to a marriage, not only because it's against God's law and teaching, as we've already said, but humans also have no right or power to change or go against such teachings. But God gives us this law because he knows what's best for us, He knows how we suffer when we fall into that sin. Now, how many of you out there, no need to raise your hand, have been hurt or used by premarital sex? You thought your significant other was the one, and you gave your entire self to them, the most intimate and sacred part of yourself, an act of love that is most sacred that you will never get back. A part of you that you will never be able to give to your future spouse because you gave it away outside of the marriage bond. And the marriage bond is key because only through the covenant that lasts forever are you able to have faith and trust that this one person, this only spouse, is the one you're able to give everything to, including your body. Now, my friends, even on a psychological level, If you're sleeping with someone who is not your spouse now, what prevents you from sleeping with someone who's not your spouse in a future marriage? You're training your mind and body in a bad habit that most likely will continue into your future marriage, which means you will have great pain in your future even more than now. You know, we can only give of ourselves fully and completely when we know that the bond is forever that there's no escaping, which means there's full honesty, faith, and love. And besides it being against the teachings of Jesus and the church, we know that premarital sex damages relationships. It damages a person, especially women, and who men are supposed to help uphold and protect their great dignity. You know, premarital sex and cohabitation is laying a foundation of sin for the future marriage and family which any married couple here can tell you what marriage in our world today is already hard enough. So having a broken foundation will not help. Now, if this is hitting your heart and your conscience, I highly encourage you to beg God to give you the grace to get out of such a situation, to speak to a significant other, to have a heart-to-heart, to be able to allow Christ in. I spoke with a couple last week who were living together last year as a dating couple, and they were convicted when they read an article or watched a video from the church about this topic, and they were convicted so much that they're no longer living together. They moved out of the apartment, they have separate living places, and now them as individuals and as a couple are flourishing, and they're living in the freedom of Christ. My brothers and sisters, it's possible. And it's also possible to find healing from the times where maybe you already lost your virginity and your purity. Christ wants you to be able to find healing now through the sacraments, through prayer, and to start preparing for your future spouse, whether you may be dating them now or not. And the thing is, is it's not too late, but we have to take a step to change and to accept God's mercy and healing. My brothers and sisters, that's what he desires for you. He wants you to find that healing. He wants you to regain what you have lost. He wants what's best for you. Now, one of the teachings of the church also is that the Catholic person in a marriage, so let's say if both aren't Catholic, agrees to raise the kids Catholic. So if a Catholic marries a non-Catholic, it's the responsibility of the Catholic person to raise their kids Catholic which still respects the conscience of the non-Catholic person. Now you might be like, Father Christ, why is this a thing? Well, what do we believe about our faith, about baptism, about salvation? We believe that the Catholic Church is the fullness of truth and the church that Jesus established over 2,000 years ago. Therefore, the Catholic Church contains the fullness of grace and teaching to lead a person to heaven, which includes the sacraments. Therefore, we'd want to give our children the fullness of faith and begin to pass on this faith to them as soon as possible. And this includes baptism. We don't wait to have our kids baptized till they're two, three, four, five, six, one month after they're born, two months after they're born. Because we believe baptism is necessary for salvation and important of wiping away original sin even at the earliest moments of life. You know, we can't fall into the culture of relativism and the concept of Oh, I'm going to let my child choose for themselves their faith. Number one, when do we ever allow our kids to make such important decisions in their life? It'd be like allowing your kids to choose which stocks you're going to invest in or allowing them to choose where you're going to live no matter where it may be in the world. Like that one it makes sense. They're not mature enough for that. They don't know what's best for them. So if we believe that faith is very important and crucial to be the center of our life and our marriage and our family, And my friends, there's no greater gift than to give your child the faith. The child, yes, will later on choose the faith for themselves, just like each of you have. But to have the divine life within them and the gates of paradise open to them through baptism is the best gift you could give them as a parent. Now, if the Catholic faith is the fullness of truth, out of love, which is to will, the good of the other, you would want those whom you love in your life to also receive this gift. My encouragement if you are dating a non-Catholic, which is fine, that this topic, though, and others like it, are important to talk about now before getting engaged. Now, speaking of baptism, the sacrament of marriage is rooted in the baptism of the man and the woman. So a marriage is only sacramental if both of the people are baptized. This would include a valid Protestant baptism. So valid means you are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, with water being poured on your head. Now, if you marry someone who's not baptized, and you do so within the church, the marriage would still be seen as valid in the eyes of the church, but it would not be sacramental. So why is having a sacramental marriage important? A sacramental marriage provides a particular grace from Christ. That allows the couple to love each other with a supernatural love, to be able to lay down their life for each other as Christ laid down his life for the church. And this stems from both people's baptisms. This is the great mystery that St. Paul talks about in Scripture as well, of laying down your life for the other. And this is not possible without the grace of the sacrament. The grace of the sacrament of marriage also is not an all-inclusive insurance that guarantees spouses everything is going to just be hunky-dory in life and that you're magically going to be preserved from the trials that will present themselves throughout life. But my friends, instead, it is a guarantee that the couple will receive a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart of Christ, so that through the grace of God, they can give themselves fully to the other. Once again, my friends, like any sacrament, the grace is only able to function if there is an openness to the grace and a fidelity of living out the faith completely. It's important to note as well that a baptized Catholic must have a Catholic wedding for the marriage to be seen as valid. So let's unfold this a bit. Firstly, a Catholic wedding must be in a Catholic church. You cannot rent a venue space for the wedding or have it on a beach. You might be like, Father Christ, why are you being a joy kill right here, you know? Why is the church being a party pooper in this? Well, my friends, the church has such wisdom that she wants to share with us. And so she tells us that having a wedding in a church points to the sacredness of marriage, to unite as one flesh before God and your family and friends in a sacred space which is consecrated for God. No matter how beautiful the outdoor space may be, it does not immediately turn our attention to God the way it does when you enter into a church. The space itself demands a certain level of respect, reverence, attentiveness that is fitting of the sacredness of the sacrament of marriage. Now there is a dispensation that can be granted to be married in a Protestant church, but permission must be given from the bishop. So don't go rent a space to get married in, use that space for your reception only. Also, encouragement is to not go to a justice of a peace to get married. If you do that, you're only gonna be civilly married. And once again, if a baptized Catholic does not get married in the church, then your marriage is not valid in the eyes of the church, which means you are living in a perpetual state of adultery. Living with someone who's not your spouse which puts you in a perpetual state of mortal sin until the marriage is made valid in the church. And this is a huge problem with our generation because there's countless baptized Catholics not getting married in the church, which is not good for the state of their soul and even puts their salvation in jeopardy. So once again, is God in the church a tyrant in all of this? no. If we stop and think about it, our reason and and with our rational capacity, there's something to say about having Christ in the church the center of our marriage, of following the ancient rite of the church that is greater than ourselves, following the authority of God in the church, instead of thinking we're our own God and we can do whatever we want. My friends, if we return to our gospel today, we hear the Pharisees have a hardened heart when they ask Jesus for divorce like Moses allowed but it's because of their limited view that they can't recognize the gift that Christ is bringing you know a verse that must be coupled with the thought of marriage and divorce is how many times should someone forgive and Jesus says 70 times seven times which is a perfect number now there are certain circumstances like abuse where action must be taken to separate the couple for the sake of the safety of one or the other But my friends, the church teaches even in the midst of an affair, sickness, loss of jobs, or falling out of love, a couple is called to stay true to their marriage vows and even through the help of counseling, recommit to each other again and again and again. Now in this conversation with the Pharisees, Jesus is the one who puts an end to this hardness of heart. He says, I bring a boundless love of mercy and goodness so if someone says that they disagree with the church about divorce or any other teaching on marriage, instead they should say, I disagree with Jesus Christ about divorce or marriage between one man and one woman or whatever the other teaching on marriage should be. It is Jesus himself who is proclaiming this teaching in the gospels, not the church. All right, we're wrapping up. Y'all have been hanging with me well. Keep it up. The last thing is you might be like, well, Father Chris, what about annulments? Are they just Catholic divorce? A Catholic annulment is when the church looks at a marriage and is able to determine that it never existed in the first place, because one of the preconditions of marriage was missing, like free consent. Whenever a man and woman stand before the altar, they must freely choose the other. If someone's holding a gun to their back, they're not free to choose. So that marriage would not be valid. Someone being fully free as they enter in marriage is necessary. Now, the practice of granting annulments in the U.S. has become very common, and I can't judge individual cases because there are definitely valid cases, but possibly we're making them too common, which means we must continue to help couples while they are dating and engaged to help make sure that they're entering into the sacrament of marriage and knowing the great responsibilities of marriage and the seriousness of entering into such a vocation and stage of life. Y'all, I could speak on this the whole night, but I know y'all got places to be. But it's important for us to seek the truth in all this, to think with the mind of Christ and his bride, the church, because most of you, if we think about it, are going to end up getting married. Now, the thing is, if you'd like to read more on this, I would highly suggest a couple of materials, so feel free to write these down. One is The Theology of the Body for Beginners by Christopher West or Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love by Dr. Edward Shree. Also, if you look on YouTube, Father Mike Schmitz and Jackie Angel, who was here for Magnify last month, also have some good videos on this topic, and you can trust them to speak with the church. My friends, now is the time as a young adult and as a student to be formed on what God has intended for marriage. Now is the time to see the beauty of this teaching, Now is the time to wake up to the reality that what our culture is promoting about marriage and family is obviously not working. We must return to Christ. Only through Christ will we be able to see the sacredness and the beauty of marriage that calls a husband and wife for each one of us. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.